Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Andrew Boyd. It's not that I've got anything against that side of the room, okay? It isn't that. It's just that looking at, looking at Andrea there, I realise it's actually better when you've got some light on whoever's up there. So I'm going to come here. Father, give us a spirit of revelation today so that we can see you better. And more than that, Lord, because we're your body on this earth, give us a spirit of revelation so that we can see those you love with the eyes of your love. Father, we're asking you for a difference today in what we receive from you and what we give to others. In Jesus' name, amen. You all right? Last week, we had a brilliant example of what it is to listen to God and to speak out. We had prophetic word after prophetic word over a whole range of people. Who received a word last week? J.D. was preaching. Were you encouraged by that? Was anybody discouraged by that? No. No. Okay, everybody's uplifted by that. Quite literally, what God does is he looks at us and he lifts us up. That's what he always does. And there are members of his family who have yet to recognize that he's father and he wants to lift them up. So today we're talking about seeing. We've talked about hearing, we're talking about seeing. And the theme today is to look and to see. And we're basing much of what we're doing here on Colossians. So if we just, it's going to come up on the screen, Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. A mystery is a thing you can't see. It needs to be proclaimed. You need to catch it. You need to smell it. You need to taste it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So proclamation is not just words. For which I'm in chains, writes Paul. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as it should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Seasoned with salt, and we're going to talk about salt next week. Andrea's on that one. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Okay, we're called to be watchful. And that means to see things not just with these eyes, but we need to give these eyes to the Lord and say, help me to see But I don't just want to see what I see in front of me. I want to see, Father, what you see in front of you. So that when I look at people, I see them with your eyes of love, Lord. So I see who they're called to be so that I can help raise them up. So I want to learn to be watchful in the Spirit. Now, everything I'm saying today, I'm saying to me, I'm saying to all of us. I need to do this. I need to see with the eyes of faith. Sometimes I look around and I'm quite discerning and I see and I can feel dismayed. I can feel intimidated. I can feel troubled. But I have to look above that and see with the eyes of faith. Because if the Lord is giving me a discernment, it's for a reason. It's not so that I back away. It's actually so that I engage, but I need to engage with him. I need to do that first. Now, this this phrase in here, let your conversation always be full of grace. 
The word grace in the Greek is charis. And it means not just that you need to somehow raise your game so that you suddenly become more compassionate, so that you suddenly become more gracious, so that you suddenly become kinder in what you do. The grace is a gift from God. And what he's saying to you is take from me what you need to be a blessing to the person you're with. He's not saying raise your game. He's saying take from me whatever you need because you haven't got it for them, but he has. And it's available to you. So he's, he's telling you here, take grace and apply it. Now, it tells us that we're called to be favorable. We're called to be kind. We're called to be the one who brings a blessing from God. This is not just about going the second mile. You see, whatever we see in front of us when we're with people, we need to remember that we were all God's enemies. Either through our indifference, which is actually the opposite of love. Hate isn't the opposite of love. Indifference is. If I... Don't care, don't give a rip, don't care. A cold heart. Either we were God's enemies through indifference or hostility, but we were all like that. And while we were sinners, he reached out to us. He stood in front of you, he looked at you, and he didn't just see what was being presented back to him, indifference and hostility. He sees you by name and he calls you by name and he lifts you up. It's the love of God that wins our hearts. He loved you before you were lovable. He saw Paul before he saw Saul, but he called Saul to become Paul. He changed him through his love. I'm going to tell you a story today, one that we've heard to death in Sunday school, and I just want to raise it up a bit. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Now, who's got that little song going through their mind when I mention the story of Zacchaeus, yeah? Okay, so we get this notion that Zacchaeus is this cute little guy, right? He's a cute little guy. He's little, he scampers up a tree, wants to see Jesus. It's important to him. Bless his heart, we love him. How sweet. Oh, fellas, Zacchaeus was not a sweet guy. He was not, well, it would be amazing if he was. I really don't think he was because the context is this. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's on his way to Jerusalem because he's going to be crucified. To get there, he has to go through Jericho. He's just passing through. But Jericho is known as a place where balsam is bought and sold. It's a wealthy place. Balsam is its garments used in aromatic oils. We still use the stuff today. It's a resin. And where there's money, and there was a lot of money in Jericho... There is tax. Death and taxes, the certainty of life, right? If there's money, somebody wants it. And who wants it in Jericho? Well, the Romans want it, right? Now, the good news, and this is the only good news about their taxation, it was only 1%. That's okay, isn't it? Oh, isn't it? Really? That's brilliant. Plus a sales tax, plus a crop tax, plus a distribution tax plus an emergency tax. What's that? That's anything they want, right? And when they want it, okay? So your 1% just stacks up. It piles up one on top of the other. Now listen, just imagine for a minute 
that you are prosperous Jewish people in this town of Jericho, okay? God gave you the land. We know the story of Jericho, right? This is God's own land, and you are God's own people. And God has blessed you and prospered you with wealth. It's a sign of his favor, although you are struggling a bit with the fact that you happen to be occupied by the Romans at the minute. It doesn't quite add up. But nevertheless, you got this through the sweat of your brow because God blessed you. And then these Romans come along and they say, you got wealth, I want it. But I don't want your balsam. I want Roman coins. I want your balsam, you sell it, you give me coins. And on that coin is the head of the self-proclaimed man-god Caesar. And on the back of that coin is the inscription and it says, Judea captive. You are captive. Render unto Caesar what is due unto Caesar, and that is tax, and in our money. And not only that, we don't just want tax from you, we call it a tribute. We want your honor, and you're paying for that. Well, folks, can you feel a bit prickly? This is not quite right, is it? I'm going to make it worse for you. Because you know what we're going to do with these coins, with the self-proclaimed God-man Caesar? We take them to Jerusalem, to Rome. And do you know where we put them in Rome? We put them in the temple of Saturn. He is the God of wealth. And he trumps your God. Tribute. Do you want to pay the money? I'm not sure I'd want to pay the money. I would be bristling. Well, I tell you, you're going to pay the money because our thugs will get it from you. It doesn't come automatically. It's not P-A-Y-E. You know, it's not that you just don't notice it going in and out. It's not just numbers on an account. We come and we collect. It's called tax farming, and that's what we do. And our boys who come round are very good at this. They are the bailiffs of the day. They are the debt collectors of the day. You will pay. And if you think, no, actually, I'm not going to pay because I'm so offended by this. Well, it's very, very straightforward. Because we will have a word with the governor, who is in our pay, and the governor will send Roman soldiers to collect from you. These are the soldiers your taxation is paying for, because we've kindly occupied you, but we want you to pay for the privilege. Okay, so everybody just beginning to get a bit indignant in here, right? This is the context. And who are these tax collectors? Well, they're drawn from you. They're people that we choose from you. And actually, if you don't do it, you are in such trouble and your family. And out of the people among your ranks that we choose to be tax collectors, there are, of course, people who are entrepreneurs and excellent business people who recognize a good opportunity when they can see it. And they're going to say two things. One is, I can make a lot of money out of this. And two is, it's better that I do it than anybody else, really. At least I'll do it kindly. They're my people. Yeah, right. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. That's your context for what happened here. We're talking about bribery, 
and extortion. We're talking about protection rackets. We're talking about the mafia in Judea. That's what we're talking about. You don't mess with the mafia. Or they'll make you an offer you can't refuse. So let's have a look at the story, Luke 19. So Zacchaeus, cute little guy, scampering up a tree. Well, it's unlikely. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. That's all he was doing. He's passing through. He's not staying there. He's not researching the place. He's just on his way through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was, Luke is spelling this out, he was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy. He was despised. If it hadn't been for the Romans, he wouldn't just be scampering up a tree, he'd be swinging from it. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he couldn't. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him as Jesus was coming that way. Actually, this is interesting. Now, Zacchaeus would have been a very determined, very assertive man. He's having to live with the hostility of his own people every day, rolled eyes and worse. But he's getting very wealthy on their backs. He knows what he wants, and he wants to see Jesus. That's actually good news. He's a seeker. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus. Now, why do you think that was? Do you think Jesus' disciples said, oh, there he is up the tree, Zacchaeus? Or somebody who lived in the area said, well, it's Zacchaeus up a tree. Maybe, maybe, but I don't think so. I think what happened was he got a word of knowledge. Why do I think that? Because of what happens next. I don't think this is a coincidence. I don't think this is somebody giving him a nudge. I think he has a word of knowledge. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. God, Jesus knew what he was doing. Because everybody's going, what? What? So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So Jesus isn't going, Zacchaeus. Uh huh. I've heard about you. I know what you're like. We need to talk. Get down here. Would he welcome him gladly? No. He'd stay up the tree until they got him down with sticks. But I imagine the crowd at this point are going, This Jesus, we thought he was the man, but honestly, look, look at the guy he's picked. Fur. Really? And not only that, he wants to eat with him. This is significant. This is a sign of acceptance friendship, and actually more than that. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up. Why did he stand up? I think he got down from that tree pretty quick. So he picks himself up and he stands up. He says, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, if, (laughs) if, If I've cheated anybody out of anything, because some people don't think I'm an honest man, I'll pay back four times the amount. What a change. Instant change. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save 
what was lost. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jesus called him by name. What does Zacchaeus mean? Anybody know? Nobody know? It means pure, as God is pure. And it may also mean remembered by God. See, what Jesus saw when he saw the mafia boss up a tree He saw him through the eyes of his father. He didn't see them through the eyes of his track record, through the list of complaints against him. He saw him through the eyes of his father, and he called him by name. He didn't change his name. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Abram was changed to Abraham. Sarai was changed to Sarah, and so on. Paul to Saul to Paul. But Zacchaeus, he's got a good name, and he calls him up into that name. So something happens here. There is a moment of revelation when the living God speaks your name. He's a changed man. Jesus didn't look up and said, Zacchaeus, you're in trouble. Quite the opposite. He publicly valued him and acknowledged him. And he called him to eat with him. Does that ring any bells with you from anywhere else in Scripture? Revelation 3.20, which is a message to the church where Jesus says, look, I stand at your door where you have locked me out, church. And I knock. If anyone anyone, if the mafia boss hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he will eat with me. It's a covenant meal and the significance was not lost on Zacchaeus and it was not lost on the rest of the crowd who did not like what they were seeing. The living God is accepting the worst guy in the town. He's not even calling him to repent, but he doesn't need to because the revelation of the love of God produces that repentance. What happens to us when we realize how much God loves us? Then we want to be rid of anything that will offend that love. We want to get rid of anything that stands in the way of the smile of God on our faces. He didn't need to be told. He did it. He was transformed in the time it takes to fall out of a tree. (laughs) Astonishing, because the Lord spoke his name. So we're talking about listening to the Lord when you're with someone else. We're talking about looking up and looking beyond what you see, the mafia boss in the tree, the guy that's loathed by everybody here, rightly or wrongly and probably rightly. He doesn't see that. He lifts his eyes and sees beyond that. Jesus is not naive. He knows. He's got his name. He knows. But he's not focusing 
on the, on, the, on the sin, on the track record, on the crimes that this guy will have committed. He's focusing on giving him the love of God. He calls him by name. It changes his life. And then he says, this man too is a son of Abraham. Why did he say that? Why did he need to say that? I think he's saying that for two reasons. One is he's saying, Zacchaeus, you have been an outcast. And you put yourself there. Time to come back. Come back. Get down from the tree. Come back to your people. Come back to your Father in heaven. And he's saying it without a word of rebuke. And he's saying to the crowd, you're judging this man? You're judging him? You think you're better? Your descendants stone the prophets. But he's saying it without a word of rebuke. He's just saying, yeah, guys, he's back in your fold because you need mercy too because you've received mercy and it's here for you. We all need the mercy of the living God. So he too is a son of Abraham. I'm just going to digress really slightly for a second here. No, I'll digress in a moment. (laughs) So Jesus looks up and he sees a brother. That's amazing. He saw him through the eyes of his father. And, you know, perhaps for the first time since Zacchaeus lost his innocence, perhaps for the first time since he sold out and became a traitor and a collaborator, because he was, perhaps for the first time since he bade farewell to his childhood, he knows God is offering him a fresh start. Let me tell you, if God is offering the mafia boss a fresh start, you think you're beyond that? Come on. Come on. Come on. It's not a cute little guy up a tree. He's the mafia boss. If he's offering him a fresh start, then anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I'll open the door to him. He doesn't say, Zacchaeus, you are so lost. What he says is, Zacchaeus, You are so found. Jesus proclaimed his own name over him and it saved him. And God knows your name. Isaiah 43, 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. And I think there are many of us in this room today who will know what it means for God to have summoned you by name. You might not have heard the word, but your heart began to beat. And you knew, actually, that the one who could have condemned you, who could have rebuked you, who could have publicly exposed you, didn't. What he did was he looked up at you and smiled and says, I want you. I want you. How do we hear him calling by name? The Bible calls it a quickening. Sometimes our hearts just beat a little faster when we sense his presence is there. God quickens us. He calls us. And he accepts us. 
Jesus says in John 10, his sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And this is my digression. Son of Abraham, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Here's my digression. People who believe in replacement theology are skipping this verse. It's not us instead of the Jews. It's together. And he is bringing them back to his Messiah to make one flock. Be ready for that. It's going to be a culture shock for everybody, okay? But he's going to do it. He has one flock. And this is, this is Jesus about to be crucified, knowing that his own people have rejected. There will be one flock. That's my digression, because that excited me when I saw that. So how did, how did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? Well, he listened to his father. Can you save another human being? No, you can't. Only he can do that. But we're called to proclaim. And the only way we can do it is in the spirit. With him. It's not effort. Some of us are more talented in evangelism. I'm not. Some are. It's not my gift. But that's okay. Thank you, Andrea. But that's okay. I'm called to be a witness because we all are. Okay? No, it's not a cop-out. But what I want to do, what I want to do is listen to my Father. When I look at you or when I look at the folks that I see, to listen and see what God is saying. I want to look up. Jesus got to the tree and he looked up. And he didn't just see the mafia boss. He looked up to heaven and saw the man who was rightly named Zacchaeus. Because that day this man's sins were going to be forgiven. That day God remembered him. That day God remembered all the prayers that had been thrown up for him. How many prayers have you thrown up for your friends, for your family? God remembers. And when he speaks their name and the revelation comes to that person that they are loved, then it melts their heart and it brings them to repentance. It's not about accusation. So I want to learn to look up to the Lord. I want to listen so that others can live. I want to see so that others can have revelation. And I will be bold enough to speak so that revelation is released to them. Look, listen, speak. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. How familiar are these words, but let's just pin it down. Forgive as you have forgiven. This man is a son of Abraham like you. Accept him. You want mercy, you give mercy. 
God's mercy is there for you, but you must be merciful as he is merciful. So let's just get that one out of the way. And then the next thing it says, it does not say, be much more compassionate, be much kinder, be much more generous. It says, clothe yourself with it. Where does it come from? It comes from the Father. I don't have it. I don't have that love that I'm told to put on. My love will quickly become exhausted and run out. And I tell you, if that's what you're going to do, you will burn out. Bless your heart. You will burn out because you can't do it in your own strength. We can't do it. (laughs) He has to do it. We have to be willing. We have to stand there and look up and receive from God what people need. I'm not called just to pour myself out unto complete exhaustion and burnout. We're not at all, ever. We're called to be sons of the living God who are led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God and daughters. That's all. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. And we all need it. But it isn't your grace he's looking for, it's his grace. It's not your love he's looking for, it's agape, it's the love of the Father. So let's learn to walk in the Spirit when we're with one another and when we're with everybody. Let's learn, I'm speaking to me, let's learn not just to see what we can see and to feel dismayed by what we see, if we've got half an ounce of discernment, but actually go beyond that and say, how do you see them, Father? How do you see this person? And lift them up into their destiny. When we see folks who are not yet believers, let's not call them unbelievers, they're just not yet members of our family. But we need to covet that. We need to say, I want them to be in this family. And we need to find from heaven the love of God to love them with. Find from heaven, take from heaven the compassion of God to have compassion on them with. Look up, listen, and speak. Let's just stand and pray for a second. Father, Lord, we need from you who you are. Lord, I pray, Father, that you give us a fresh revelation of who you are and who we are in you. And, Father, beyond that, Lord, a fresh revelation of who the person we're looking at is called to be in you. So we can love them with your love, listen to you, look at what, we, what you're seeing and just speak that out over their lives. Lord God, that's how to do it. That's what you did, Jesus. That's how to, we need you, Lord. We need you to be the people that you've called us to be. And while we're all praying, if anybody this morning 
just feels that sense of quickening I was speaking about, that sense that God is calling your name. You may not hear the word, but your heart is just going, mm, mm, this is me, this is me. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to seek and condemn. He came to bring back, restore, put his arm around you. He came to call you brother, sister, friend. And it's that that melts our hearts. If that's you today, and we could all always respond to this somehow, but if that's particularly you today and you've never actually said, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, thank you for your friendship. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, be my Lord. If that's you today, then do that this morning. Do that straight away. Because he's standing at your door and he's knocking and there's a smile on his face. He wants to eat with you. He's accepting you. Yeah, there's a cost. It means belonging to him. But if that's you, settle that today with him. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that we're singing earlier, Lord, that the chains are broken and we're set free. But as people who are manacled and shackled we still choose to lift our hands to you in surrender to the one who loves us like no other who's always believed in us astonishingly that we believe in you is no wonder that you continue to believe in us is a miracle but you do it we lift our hands to you, Lord, in surrender. And we say, more, Lord. I can't do this my way. I want to be effective as a witness for you. Teach me to listen. Teach me to look up. Teach me to speak. That I may walk ever closer to you, the one who loves me and who gave himself for me. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.